Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Rivercats 9 Lives podcast. Our guest is former MLB catcher and former Rivercat catcher, all-around good guy, Anthony Recker. Okay, welcome to the 9 Lives podcast. Old friend, Anthony Recker with us. And Rec, uh, first of all, it is great to see you. Uh, still handsome as the day is long, 38 years old. Uh, it's a... The fast approaching age of 40. It's a snow day today. Tell us about your day today. Approaching the age of 40 is true. Um, I don't know about that handsome stuff. My day today, well, we woke up to some snow. Very excited. Kids were very excited. My my middle guy, Grady, ran in the room at 5.27 a.m., told us there was snow outside. Very exciting. Grady was very happy. Yep. So yeah, I sent him back to bed for a little bit. And then eventually when we all got up, which wasn't much after that at all, because uh, everybody else was up after that, you know, had some breakfast. We went out for a nice uh, fun day in the snow. And of course I, you know, that AirPod case, it's nice and white, small, sure. dropped it somewhere in the snow. No idea where it is. It's so, not ideal when it comes to snow, white on white, not. Yeah. Not, not good. No more AirPods. Yeah. I have no more. Yeah. I got to That's my second pair I've lost. Now I have to go wow. figure out if I can find them which probably won't or buy a third pair. All right. Well, now you're, it's not man to man anymore. It's, it's zone now. Uh, oh, we got zone. We got zone. Kelly and I are in a zone defense, three wow. boys and it's, yeah, it's a fun house. That's what we call it. Fun a house. lot going on, huh? A lot going Always. on. It's good. It's fun. I mean, come on, you can't, boys are great. Kids are great. It's, it's fun. We have, we well, have a good time with them. Back when you were the river cats first in 2011, we had interviews, and I even said at the time, I said, after your playing career is over, which will be a while, and it was, uh, I said, you are going to get in the media. I, I was, and I, I nailed it. I'm not, not like I'm, I'm five beta cap. I'm not very bright, but I got that one right. Is that something you knew you wanted to do back then or not? No, no, not at all, actually. Um, I had no idea I'd be ending up, you know, in this world. I kind of, when I was with the Mets, I had uh, a couple people with SNY kind of tell me, hey, you know, we like you on camera, you speak well, you, you know, give us a lot of information. We'd love to have you, you know, on after you're done, if you ever just want to do a guest appearance or two, see if it's for you. And sure enough, uh, after the 2018 season, I never got called up. So I just kind of said to myself, okay, I got to start doing something and doing it, you know, quicks, figure out what's going to be next. And uh, they actually flew me out to, to New York. I did a couple shows right after my minor league season about, you know, David Wright's last game. And the end of that season was Jacob deGrom having a, a great year. And uh, so we ended up basically kind of talking about some of that stuff and it just, the relationship built from there. And sure enough, uh, I ended up moving the family out here about a year later. That's great. And you know, you're not just doing, pre and post, you actually did some games, right? You actually did some color company for some games, right? Yeah, yeah. That wasn't really expected this season. Uh, I don't know how excited they were to let me do that, but it worked out. Uh, Keith Hernandez ended up uh, falling off of his spa, his hot tub, uh, while he was trying to reach up to trim some flowers. I don't know. <laughs> he needed stitches in his toe, and I got the call. Nice. And how did you enjoy that? It was good. It was fun. Um, you know, I got to go call some major league baseball games. It's my first time back at the, at a, a big league park since I had played. I hadn't been back to a big league park during the regular season uh, since I'd played. And obviously over the last couple of years, uh, you know, 2020 in particular, nobody was at the park. So uh, it was good to be back. It was good to be back seeing the, the field again, um, sending some texts to some guys who were down there. I even got one or two guys to like look up and smile and wave at me up top. And it was good. It was fun time. You know, it's funny, Rick, you know, we talk about, catchers becoming coaches and managers and, and all that but but they're also 
a lot of catchers getting the broadcasting from that perspective too. I know when we talked in 2018 when you were with Reno and you talked about the fact that, you know, I'm not sure what direction I want to go. I want to be in baseball. I may want to go the coaching route. I may want to go the broadcasting route. Still not sure. Have you thought about maybe down the road, even getting back on the field or is, is, is it, are you keeping it open? Uh, <laughs> I've thought about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if the opportunity presents itself, I absolutely would. Um, you know, I don't, I think I'm in a, a place right now where with the family and everything that would be a tough ask because of the hours and, you know, you, you want to be there all the time and making sure that you can give it everything you have at the same time. Like I said, look, if the right opportunity opened up, opened up and, and it made sense for us, I think we'd absolutely take it. We enjoy the baseball cycle. That is, uh, you know, a full year of a season an off season, you know, and, and just having that kind of ability to, schedule out things the way we've always done it uh you know and plus we love to travel so a baseball yeah. life is, is kind of a kind of our thing but we'll see it's wherever the i don't want to say wherever the wind takes me because i definitely need to have some opportunity but you know yeah. wherever it takes us we're we're always looking forward to it love it now rec let me take you back 2011 uh your first uh you got to the river cats in 09 originally but your first call up was in 2011 yeah what do you remember about that, that day, that, that year? What, tell us about that. That, that day was, was pretty crazy. I remember uh, showing up to the stadium. We were in Tucson and showed up there and my name wasn't in the lineup to start, which I wasn't really surprised. I think I had played like 10 days in a row or something like that before that. It was the first time I was in AAA that I was playing a lot because I was having a pretty solid season. So I was playing quite a bit and I ended up, you know, not being in the lineup. Okay, no big deal, not in the lineup today. So I'm just kind of playing cards, getting ready for BP, doing my normal thing. And <laughs> Josh Donaldson came in and uh, he was in the lineup catching that night. And he kind of was upset. I guess he wasn't feeling good or, you know, had something bothering him. And he said, Rick, you must be going to the big leagues because I can't come out of the lineup apparently. So it's typical as, as Josh would do sometimes. And so I just kind of blew it off. I didn't even, I didn't even think twice about it. Yeah. Uh, sure enough, 10 minutes later, 15 minutes, whatever it was, my name was back in the lineup. So I was like, okay, well, I'm catching today. No big deal. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up going out BP doing everything we did. And then I'm out on the line stretching literally 20 minutes before the game, 30 minutes, whatever it was. Um, and I, well, they, they called up a catcher. He had been in AAA, I think, a little bit that year, maybe the year before. Was it Joel Galarraga? Is that yes. his name? Yep. Is that right? Great call. Great they called call. him up from, from the Arizona League or, or wherever yeah. he was, you know, rehabbing or something. Mm -hmm. He comes out to the line, and he's like, hey, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to play. And I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, no, I, you're going to go talk to Bushy. I said, okay. And he asked me if he could use my equipment because he didn't even have any with it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, the color scheme, the, the black. So I'm sure. Go ahead. I just went over to the bushy takes me upstairs and sure enough, delivered the news, uh, asked me, basically asked me, Hey, uh, what do you got going on, going on this weekend? Any, any plans? I'm like, bushy, what are you talking about? He's like, well, you're heading to New York. You're going to be playing at Yankee stadium against, you know, against the Yankees. They're calling wow. you up and, it was uh, it was crazy time. I mean, it was dream come true. Never honestly expected it to happen, and just crazy. Well, how great is it that in New York and you got family come, family yeah. comes over, right? I mean, you yeah. grew up, you know, like that. How ideal is that? And what, and 
Give me so your first calls to the family, or do you had that that all go down with when you got into got into Yankee Stadium? Well, I called Kelly first. She was yeah. uh, my my girlfriend at the time. Um, told her right away. Then I called my mom real quick. Said, "Mom, um, what are you doing this weekend?" <laughs> I kind of yeah. used the same thing, um, and she was just she couldn't believe it. She was kind of yelling at me. What do you mean? What do you mean? What am I doing? Did you get released? What'd you do? What'd you do? She thought I did something wrong. Yeah. Um, but I think she was just emotions. Everything. She was just so excited. Yeah. Um, I told her I was going to be in New York and, and, you know, Ugh. years were flowing. It was just an incredible time, but uh, very exciting. Uh, talked to my dad then, and then, you know, made plans. And of course they came over. Some of my friends came over, uh, my girlfriend at the time was now my wife, Kelly. She came with her family, her parents came. So we had everybody there. It was, it was awesome. And it was, uh, it was truly a special time. And how about your welcome to the big leagues moment? When you first there, you first at bat, uh, who you faced, you remember? I'm oh, sure. Come know. on, come on. The pictures, the pictures over here. Look at that. He's right there. That's, that's <laughs> there it right there. There we that's go. It. You remember. There, there it is. Derek Jeter steps up to the plate, you know, and, and he's uh, just, he's Derek Jeter. I mean, yeah. Hey, I heard it was your, your first game. Congratulations. You know, before he gets in the box, that's the, um, the, the photographer, Mark got a, a great shot of me kind of looking up at him, smiling, just thinking, wow. you gotta be kidding me right now. This yeah. is, this is insane. Of course he went on to hit a triple that at bat and later scored. And yeah, so it wasn't a great start to the game. It wasn't a good ending either to that game, but we won't go there. We don't have to talk about that. Right. It was a great moment for me. Right. Well, focus on the moment. Focus on yeah, the moment. The moment. You know, and uh, being a catcher, and I know that we, we always ask you about separating your offense and your defense, but catching, having that, uh, just being in that position, Rack, like, you know, you, you grew up being a catcher. What was that? I mean, was that something you always wanted to do, or is it something kind of thrown into you uh, as far as catching? Catching, it wasn't something I, I really cared for or against. I just, as a kid, I don't remember what age I was, maybe 11, 12, we were travel ball team, whatever it was, um, you know, still kind of a little league type setting. And the guy we had behind the plate, he, he was fine, but he didn't like to block the ball. He didn't like to get dirty. He just, you know, it was one of those guys. He wasn't necessarily kids, wasn't necessarily afraid of the ball, but just didn't really care to do all the, you know, all the intricacies that are being a catcher. And, and my dad basically volunteered me and said, Hey, Anthony, will do it. He could do it. So they just threw me back there and I, I never, didn't catch from then on. I mean, I was the catcher on every team I was on, you know, if I played a little bit of first base or I DH or whatever else, but I was always catching after that, uh, you know, every, every game was, I was the catcher. So it was something I, I kind of grew to love because I was so involved with every pitch and everything going on that um, it was something, if I tried to move to other positions, it was weird. That was hard for me to do. Exactly. Now, Rick, I always butcher the name, Alvernia. Yes. Alvernia yes. College, D3 school, you know, that's what's... We're, uh, we're a university now, Johnny. We're a university now. Yeah, right. We were a college when I was there. Now we're a university. We are fully funded university. Nice. But you Stepping guys play in D3. Yeah. You know, I, 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 the, the experience there, you said it was, you said you wouldn't have traded it for the world. You wouldn't have traded it for any D1 school. Your experience at Alvernia, articulate to the folks what you told me about it. Yeah, well, look, I mean, first of all, I tried to walk on at University of Delaware and I got cut. And so that was kind of an experience where it was like, okay, this is what it's like in the real world where you're maybe not the, the best player or one of the best players. So, okay. So I end up going to Alvernia and I just, uh, it was, they were such a, a nice, it was such a nice community, such a small community for me to be in. 
um, you know, people who cared, good coaching staff, actually some really good players. We, you know, the league we played in, we didn't play a lot of very good teams, but we played some teams that had some comp good competition, but it was just a good place to foster kind of uh, someone like me who came from a small town and didn't have a whole lot of, you know, big experiences and experiences in places where I wasn't, you know, the big fish, if you will. So it was just easier for me to put my head down there and work hard and, and kind of do the, the right things, not get into trouble, not find other things to do, just really focus on baseball. And, you know, they, they were able to kind of give me the ability to grow as a player. I, I was very raw coming out of high school. Didn't, you know, I had, I had coaching, but I just hadn't worked hard at baseball yet. I had been a multi-sport athlete, done everything and never really fell into baseball or, or, or dove into baseball, I should say, until I got to college. And then it became my everyday thing. That's when, you know, I kind of started to find some success and of course ended up, uh, you know, being drafted. Yeah. Speaking of draft day, I mean, mo most guys know they're going to be drafted. They see the scouts at the game. Did, do you have an idea of where you were going to go in the draft? How did that all, how did that all play out? I had no idea. I had no idea if I would even get drafted. Uh, yeah. You know, I remember before my junior year, my coach at Alvernia had pulled me in and said, Hey, there's a chance you go at some point this year. You know, if you have a good year, there's a chance you go in the draft. I had a terrible junior year. So oh. ended up coming back for my senior year. And, you know, you hear a couple things from teams here and there. Hey, come to this tryout. Hey, come to that tryout, a scout or two, but it's not a lot. It was very just, I don't know what to call it. Cordial. If you, whatever, I don't even know what to call it. Just very easy going like, Hey, show up, you'll hit, you'll throw, you'll run you know, it's basically a combine and then go home and you're not going to know anything about it. We're just gonna, uh, we might draft you. We might not. That's literally, I mean, that's, that's all I knew. I didn't know anything about those, those workouts. And I only had like three, four of them, maybe five. I don't even know, but it wasn't a whole lot of them just showed up, tried to show them best I could and never heard a single word from the Oakland A's the entire process, not a word. Didn't even know they were, they knew who I was. Wow. So it was crazy, you know, to get drafted by them. I actually ended up, I had a, a party set up for the second day of the draft. It was like a draft party, maybe, or if not graduation party, because I'm done with school, even though I had a, I still had one more semester left, but you know, um, so it was like a, it was like a fun thing, had some friends over and uh, sure enough, the day before that, the first day of the draft, I was like one of the last picks of the first day. I was playing beer league softball, beer league baseball, sorry. And uh, yeah. Got the, got the call in the ninth inning. I wasn't even at my phone. My dad was just ringing my phone and ended up getting it after the game. And the A's, the A's drafted you. Can you believe it? And I, I of course, could not. So um, it was a crazy time, fun time. And that next day, party day, was pretty fun. That's awesome. It makes me think, Rec, like I wonder, because, you know, you're not in California, Florida, or Texas, but it makes me wonder how many guys in Pennsylvania or Maine or who knows anywhere it gets slipped through the cracks, right? There are gotta be guys that, that are good enough that just don't get seen. Right. You'd think so. Then I, I would say now I would think that if these kids are good enough and they have any ambition, social media works. I mean, you could throw stuff yeah. on there. You can find the right people to talk to, to get your name out there. I would think that there's ways to do it now, but in 2001, I, there, I'm sorry, 2005, <laughs> I'm going yeah. back to my high school graduation uh, yeah. in 2005. There, that wasn't as prominent at all. There was no social media. And as far as, you know, the internet wasn't utilized for things like that yet, at least not to that extent. So uh, certainly you could see guys in, in areas where they're just, the population wasn't dense and, and there wasn't known as a baseball town or baseball area. 
you could certainly see a lot of guys being uh, being falling through the cracks, as you put it, Johnny. So definitely, definitely very fortunate that someone saw me, liked me enough to say a couple of good words about me and, and ended up obviously working out. Well, you know, you get called up in 2011. Was it Bobby Guerin at the time? Was Bob, Bobby Guerin the manager when you Bob called had, up? Bob had, Bob had been fired earlier that season, so okay. it was actually Melvin was there by, by then. So, okay, but both um, catchers, you knew Bobby G, though. And, and yes. uh, but going up, both just both those guys being catchers, I, I yeah. hope Bob Guerin gets another chance to be a great manager and gets another chance of being a manager. Bob Melvin speaks for itself. I mean, San Diego, in San Diego now, what was it yep. like playing for Melvin? You can talk about Bob Guerin a little bit too, but talk about those two guys and how, how it – how great it was that they were catchers. Yeah, no, fantastic. I mean, but both of them too, also they were backup catchers. So it ended up being what I did for my entire big league career was I was a backup catcher. So they understood that it's not easy. It's, you know, it's a very demanding job, both physically and mentally. You're, you're the first one there. You're the last one to go and you barely even get to play. So it's right. a really tough job in that respect, but Having Melvin, you know, when I first got there, he was, like I said, very understanding. I remember one instance, we were actually in Baltimore. It was the next season, 2012, um, but still very early in our relationship with each other. And he put me in in a game where we were just getting beat up. And, uh, you know, Kurt was Kurt catch Suzuki caught every single day. Right. And so um, we were getting beat up that day. Throws me in the game in the sixth inning, I want to say it was. So I played the last couple so that Kirk can come back and play the next day after the game. He actually called me in his office and apologized to me. And I, I was blown away because the ability for him to understand that it could affect me that way was tremendous. Yeah. But I looked at him and said, Bob, you just apologized for putting me in a big league game. I am not mad at you. I am OK. I don't care. But thank you. I appreciate it very much. So that just speaks to who Bob Melvin was as a per is as a person, as a coach, understands his players, understands the situations that they go through and how mentally exhausting it can be throughout the course of a season and several seasons playing big league ball. It can be really tough. Um, Bob Guerin, I was fortunate enough, of course, after I left Oakland, ended up at the Cubs for a month, but then I got claimed by the Mets. And I'm sure Bob Guerin had something to do with that because yeah. he was the bench coach over here when I got to New York and he was just great. I mean, just awesome guy, you know, as, as a manager in Oakland, I didn't get to have as much communication with him, but in New York, he was fantastic. I mean, he was the joke. He, he, he was in telling jokes and, and, you know, just keeping things lively, always, uh, you know, good personality, but obviously always also very focused, um, understood the game and always had our backs as catchers, whether it was me, John Buck, Travis Darno, whoever it was, um, always had our backs and was always pulling for us, uh, trying to work with us, getting us better, everything. Um, and, and like you said, Bob, I, I've continued my relationship with him since he left New York and since I've obviously stopped playing. And, and I, I, I love Bob. I think he's yeah. an awesome person. I was pulling for him to get an opportunity over here in New York. Uh, obviously didn't end up working out. He did get the interview, but didn't end up working out. But very hopeful that he gets his opportunity someday soon because he, he definitely wants it. Uh, talking to him this, this offseason, he, he couldn't have been more excited about the opportunity to potentially take over a team and, and guide them because it didn't go the way he wanted in Oakland, but he yeah. certainly wants another opportunity. No doubt. Brilliant baseball mind, no question. Now, 2015, yeah. the, you know, the, the New York Mets get to the yes. World Series. Down the stretch run, what was that like in that clubhouse? Tell us about that team. Oh, that was nuts. Uh, I mean – 
when you're in the big leagues and you're going through uh, a playoff push, I, I can't tell you how exciting every single day was. Uh, you know, you talk to people who love their job and love to show up to their job. Well, that was me already. But now every day meant that much more. It was my first time in that situation in the big leagues where it was, okay, we're pushing for the playoffs. Um, in 2012, I was a member of the A's, but it was early in the season. We weren't quite that team yet. They, of course, became that team midway through the season and ended up making the playoffs later yeah. that year. But I never had that experience. So 15 was brand new to me. And every day we showed up at the ballpark, whether we were at home or on the road, but specifically, obviously at home in New York, packed house, yeah. 40,000 people screaming like crazy. And every pitch you were just, I'm, I'm in the, in the dugout because I barely played and, you know, but I, I mean, it was just so intense. Every pitch was awesome. It was the most fun I've had watching baseball. Cause I didn't get to play much at that point, but yeah. watching baseball in my, in my life. And I can't even, I, I can't describe to you the feelings and the energy, the adrenaline that's going through you just watching the game, let alone getting the ability to go out there and play, you know, every once in a while. So it was an incredible run. Obviously we weren't able to, to bring home the world series, but still got a, a nice ring upstairs for, for winning the NL championship. And, and it was really, it's something memories I'll, I'll always have and that I'll, I'll definitely cherish. Yeah. It was electric. I just remember Noah uh, Thor throwing that ball up and in and that that's where it started. Right. It was just, a, just, a, it had to have been electric just every, every, every day of that world series, everything. Uh, and specifically, I remember the race with Washington because that was the team we were fighting for, yeah. for the division. Um, we went to their place in early September and we played a three-game set there, and it was – I think we were up by four games going into that series. And it was – but it was, you know, it was a big series. If we get swept, it's a one-game lead, and it's anybody's anybody's division. Well, we swept them. We went one, two, three, and we did it against their bullpen every day. We just ripped their hearts out every yeah. single day, which was always their problem. But we did it every day, Papelbon, and we just – I mean, we crushed them. And every day, it's just – our confidence built. And it was literally from that series on, it just felt like we were destined to do something really special that year. Again, didn't quite win at all, but it was really fun. So, you know, a guy who, and you were born, uh, if I do the math correctly, you were born, uh, what? Don't hurt eight, yourself. Eight, Come on, don't hurt yourself. <laughs> okay. You, do it. You, you were born eight days apart and you, and you're a catcher, he's a pitcher, but your guys' careers seem to follow each other, and, and you guys know each other so well. Now you're on SNY together, but working with Jerry Blevins, and you guys have similar personalities, but you're different. You guys are very uh, – I love to see you guys as a combo. What, what's it been like just knowing Blev through the years? Oh, it's been great. I mean, I, I was one of the first people that met him when he came over to the organization in Oakland. I was in Midland, Texas. I think it was 2007, I want to say, um, and he gets traded over, and I think it was his first game he gave up a walk-off homer. And I was catching. So I go out to, hey, man, you'll, you'll get him next time. Just sh shake that off. Don't worry about it. You know, because, look, that stuff happens. It, it's, it is what it is. He wanted to come over and make a big impression. Gives up a walk-off homer. I feel bad. I feel like it's my fault. I'm the catcher. So, you know, but from that day on, I mean, we were always kind of tight. We, we played with the A's together. We played with the Mets together. We were both a part of the Cubs or organization at different times. Both yeah. a part of the Braves organization at different times. Yeah. So it, it is weird how our, our careers kind of followed each other. Uh, but he's a great guy. Love Blev. Um, it's fun working with him now, getting to be on TV with him, talking about baseball, talking about the game. 
we have some similar experiences, but we have a lot of different experiences. Obviously, him being a pitcher, me being a catcher, it's a great combo because we see the game in two different ways. Exactly. And but we certainly understand each other's perspectives and we're able to really, uh, you know, kind of round each other out, I think, in ways when we're on the air. So it's it's definitely a lot of fun. Love it, man. Well, a couple more for you before we let you go. Uh, but because uh, I want to talk about Moochies and I obviously want to talk about your your lovely bride. Uh, but I want to, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, the Mets, I, I want to talk about specifically Noah and Mats and, and yeah. DeGrom, because I watched those guys coming through Vegas. And I, I thought, I, I told somebody, I thought Mats is a future second order. I also, I love DeGrom, obviously, I, you know, but catching DeGrom and catching Noah for the first time, what, what that was like, the, the electricity. I mean, obviously this, the stuff speaks for itself, but what, what impressed you most about those two guys specifically? Well, the first time I caught DeGrom was actually in AAA in 2013. I was up the entire year except for, a, I think, about an eight-day, 10-day window, whatever it was. I went down to AAA, and during those eight days or whatever it was, I caught DeGrom once. And I remember talking to Frank Viola before the game, and he said, look, this guys he's pretty good. I really like him. You know, he's not quite there yet, but he, he hits his spots. He's got stuff. It's not quite where it will be at one day. Yeah. But he's got the slider, got a little curveball, the changeup plays, and he's got a good fastball, locates well. And that's the biggest thing. And I think coming from Oakland, where everybody knew how to pitch, mm -hmm. when I went to different organizations, I found that not everybody knew how to pitch. It was, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. Um, but being in, in New York now, Ron Romanic was the minor league coordinator there right. as he was in Oakland. And he was his influence was starting to be taught there uh, in New York. So you started to see some of these guys who understood how to pitch as they were getting up higher and higher. DeGrom was one of those guys. And I remember telling some guys that off season, this kid's going to be pretty darn good. Didn't know he'd be this good. No, I mean, nobody right. could have said that, but knew he was going to be very good. And then Noah, I mean, you just knew the first time you caught him, he was DeGrom was like 94 to 96 at the time, yeah. but spotted up and, and had all the, the repertoire DeGrom. I'm sorry. Noah was a hundred. I mean, just yeah. came out hot big curveball at the time and he was working on a changeup. it was coming along and of course he's developed into more of a still as the fastball now he throws the slider and and he's got a good changeup. um but he's been more of a developmental piece but catching him at first you just saw the raw stuff that was a totally different experience from Degrom, who was definitely had the stuff but obviously already had the ability to control everything Noah was he was so young I think he was 21 at the time right. came over yep. from the trade with yeah. uh for R.A. Dickey and he was just pumping gas. It was spring training, but it was just fun to catch him. I remember an at bat I, I had against him in spring training. He threw me a curveball, and I was I was sitting heater. It was like 2-0. It's spring training. I don't care. So I come out of my shoes. This thing bounces in front of the plate, and I'm just going, oh, yeah, it's great. Good for me. Ta no, Terry, our manager, Terry's laughing at me on my way to the dugout. Thanks, DC. Appreciate yeah, it, man. Appreciate it. But I'll tell you what, though, man. Like, pitch those guys – put up numbers in Vegas. People don't grasp. Like you can talk about, oh yeah, PCL hitter friendly, hitter friendly league, but they don't understand about Vegas where Cashman was, even the new ballpark in Vegas yeah. now, it's a joke. I mean, it's just, if you put up numbers in that ballpark as a pitcher, you're dominating. So for him to go from, those guys to go from Cashman yes. pitching in New York, that had to have been great for those guys, right? Oh my God. I mean, there's, there's two things you can say about the minor league leagues, at least the way they were then. Yeah. I, I don't even know what the setup is now, to be honest with you, but you had the PCL and the IL. When right. I played in the PCL, if, if you were a pitcher and you performed well in the PCL and you got to the big leagues, you dominated. 
because right. it was easier. It was it was literally easier to pitch in the big leagues than it was to pitch at though in some of those stadiums in the PCL. Sacramento yeah. was a little bit different, right? Sacramento more fair. It was right. it, it's one of those ballparks where the ball doesn't always fly. Some days you'll get it to go, but otherwise at night that delta breeze cools down, it knocks the ball down, it's a little tougher. Some of these other places they were a joke. I mean, you pop the ball up, it gets out. Yeah. Reno, uh, Salt Lake, Vegas, didn't matter. Then you go to the IL, it was the exact opposite. If you could hit in the IL, if you could hit some homers and hit for average, and yeah. then you got to the big leagues, you raked. I mean, it, it's crazy. It was nuts. If you dominated in the IL as a pitcher, yeah. If you dominated in the PCL as a hitter, yeah. Eh. But if you did the, I mean, if you knew how to do, you know, pitch in the PCL and hit in the IL, you came up to the big leagues ready to go. It's a totally different experience. Exactly. Okay. Before we let you go, I want to talk about the legend because people don't understand what you what you did in Salt Lake City and Moochies. It's so legendary. Look, they have Philly cheesesteak there. You may say in Salt Lake City, it's one of the best places around. And I, 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 it's incredible. And you've been to Philly, obviously, at a different level, but a but few times. Moochies is right there. It's close, right? It's pretty really good. It's, so, it's great. Good it, stuff. And, and you can't. And it's not so Philly. They've got like the hoagie roll. I don't know what what is it like about twelve inches or whatever. Yeah. These moochies were like what were those things? Eighteen inches? Oh, they were huge, and I mean just stuffed full of meat. It's just awesome. Incredible. Awesome. Well, you did. I mean, I've I've eaten a foot long there, and people have been impressed. But you did. You not only did that. You ate a foot long, and did you meet? You eat another foot. You eat. I did. I did. Incredible. I took down two. That's legendary. I mean, that, that, that you can't you can't coach that. You cannot coach that. And you know what else? You know what else you can't do? Do what? that at 38. You can't do that at 38. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work, especially when you're not playing anymore. It's <laughs> it, it stays right here. So I that's no more of that for me. I mean, if I have a cheesesteak, it's like I'll have one, and I'm I'm like, okay, I'm good. I can't have any. Uh, I just had to bring that because that was so that was so legendary. But yeah, I'll tell you what, your better half, who I I would have the good fortune. Of, of, of marrying you guys, officiated your wedding. That's why you brought this up. That's why you brought this up. You wanted just to talk honored, about that. Just you officiated. Oh, I got my little guy. He's right there. He's, he's... I hear him. <laughs> November 2nd. November 2nd, uh, 2013. November 3rd? You tried to get me. You oh. tried to get me. On air, you tried to get me. See if I didn't know my own anniversary. It's okay. It's, I see what you're doing. See what you're doing. <laughs> Something's never changed. Anyway, how's she doing? She good? She's good. She's good. Yeah. Yeah. She's good. We're, uh, we're doing well. We came out here. She's, uh, she, she puts up with me. What else can I say? I right. mean, you put up with me, you're doing, you're doing something very nice for society. Let's put it that way. Hey, I love you. It's great to see you. Uh, thanks for, thanks for coming on, buddy. Really appreciate it. Great to see you. Love you. And, uh, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Rivercats Nine Lives podcast hosted by Johnny Dosco. Please like, subscribe, and share with all your baseball-loving friends. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook.